Hello and welcome. This is the Bits vs. Byte podcast, episode 18. I'm here with uh, Truls and I have to uh, apologize because I don't know how to uh, tell your last name. So maybe you can do that for me. Uh, but uh, you're uh, CEO and co-founder of uh, Twill uh, Logistics. Um, and uh, we're going to talk about all about what you do. So first, your last name. <laughs> My last name is Stoging. Danish, okay. Danish last name. Danish last name. So uh, what I'd like to start off with is, uh, could you tell me a little bit about your background and uh, how you uh, started uh, Twill Logistics? I can do that, yes. Um, I'll, I'll go f- far back, but I'll try to do it brief. Okay, sure. So um, yeah, from, 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 from start, I have uh, studied in university on econometrics, so basically taking uh, the, the fantastics of economics and statistics and merging it into one field of study, which is a great way of training your brain, I think. And then doing uh, some bits of management consulting, uh, predominantly actually within employee and customer satisfaction surveys, uh, oh, cool. which is very relevant to, to Freiden. Yep. Um, then uh, after a couple of years, they're joining Mask, uh, which is uh, the, the large Danish, one of the biggest companies in, in Denmark, uh, logistics company. And within there, spending a couple of years in Merce Tankers in Copenhagen, looking at strategy. Um, afterwards, I joined logistics, more of the service part of it, not so much thinking about steel and assets, but more on logistics and services in, in, in Damco here in, in the Netherlands, based okay. in The Hague. Um, so I've been based in the Netherlands for almost five years now. Okay. And uh, you, you mentioned Damco, so uh, that's actually where you started in the Netherlands, right? Yes, And it is. Uh, how did Twill come about in that, uh, in that respect? So... Damco is a logistics and service company. So basically, if you want to uh, transport goods internationally, you would reach out to a company like Damco. They do all kinds of services, all the way from the basic, you need to transport a container from A to B, or more complicated supply chains for larger uh, brands, um, where you need to basically... uh, Look at the whole thing. Um, mm-hmm. Lots of suppliers, lots of stores, lots of warehouses. Um, the part that, that the Demco at the time was not doing particularly well um, was the, the more um, basic, you could say, transportation needs um, of, of customers and predominantly smaller customers. Um, so, so we looked at how can we do that smarter. Um, and we also looked at what is customers actually looking for. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and not just customers of Demco, but also customers of the industry. And the way that the industry is serving customers in terms of uh, just ask yourself, do you know how to ship a container of goods around no the world? <laughs> nobody, has, nobody has a clue. Yeah, yeah exactly. And that's so interesting because you can walk into any room in the world and you can ask, uh, so just a show of hands, how many know how to do that? And nobody will raise their hand unless they work in the industry. Mm. And that's super interesting because 90% of what is in this room has actually been on a ship. It's been yeah. on a container. Yeah. So it's one of the biggest and most present industries in the world, and we don't know how to do it. It's okay. a fantastic problem. Um, and, and the customers are basically saying, we need a better solution for this. Yeah, and they uh, are actually asking for a solution that can uh, do it end-to-end, right? Yes, yes. Yeah. So, so uh, how does that work? Because how does it work before that? You just call up a company and say, okay, I want to have a container, or how, how does that work? Yeah, basically. Yeah. Um, so so you you do it via email, or you do it via network, or you do it via actually phoning somebody up, uh, Googling. Um, but to do that, you have to know that this is actually called freight forwarding. Not a lot of people actually know that this is called freight forwarding. Yeah. So you have to try to Google your way and find a company, and you have to reach out via email 
mere often to see, okay, I have this need. I need to transport five containers out of, I don't know, Shenzhen into uh, Rotterdam. Yeah. yeah. Um, can you please give me a quote for that? And then you get a quote and you have no idea what is included because you don't know all the abbreviations. Uh, perhaps you get three different quotes from three different companies and they look completely different. Um, so it's very, very difficult to be a customer in this industry here unless you really know it. Mm. And what what do you try to solve in that in that respect? So what do you try to solve uh, for those clients that don't know how to do this? So we actually we well, even voice it always saying that we want to absorb complexity and deliver simplicity. Okay. Um, because the industry is complicated. Um, if you want to do transportation, global international transportation. You have to uh, you have to have a lot of documents you need to have right. You need to know uh, the rules and regulations uh, within transportation, but also within the countries that you're trading with. Um, so we try to take that complexity and, and just make it very available for our customers, so they can log into a platform and they can click a few buttons and then then they're up and running. Um, okay, which is not something that the industry have ever done before. They're trying to do it, so not just. Will. There's other companies now as well seeing that customers are really looking for this. So the industry is moving more towards a customer focus and much more digital solutions. So when I uh, when I sign up as a client and I want to say, okay, uh, my goods are in or my company that uh, that creates it, my factory or whatever, mm. is in uh, China, for example, and I want to ship it to my store actually in uh, Rotterdam, for example. Yeah. Uh, you do that whole process right yeah. so you kind of uh h- how does that work so do you reach out to all kind of shipping departments or how, how does it work yeah so basically that's one of the benefits of being part of mask so so we are we are a startup mm-hmm. uh, that have carved out of mask and we have our own team our own dress code our own office our own structure and culture yeah um but uh, the way we really can win in this industry is not just by looking at technology and looking at how do we actually create this fantastic user experience. That is something we have to do. Mm-hmm. But you know, you're not going to be happy if you have a fantastic, nice website. You can go into an application you can go into and say, I want to ship from there to there if the company doesn't know how to actually do it. Mm. So what we do is we leverage the systems and the network of both Damco and Mask mm-hmm. um, to exactly do what you say. So if you go in and say you want to go from Shenzhen into Rotterdam, from door to door, from your producer in Shenzhen to your storefront here in, in Rotterdam, yeah. then you just click that on our platform. We'll give you the information. This is when we're going to arrive, and this is the cost for it, and this is the details. Oh, cool. And then we'll take care of it in the back end. So make sure that we actually reach out to for example, a trucker in Shenzhen needs to truck it from the factory into the port. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, because you have a lot of kind of uh, small, well, not small, but th- there are a lot of kind of checkpoints within that kind of yes, journey, right? Yes, definitely. Yeah. So, um, th- is that kind of a is that kind of a limit that someone needs to uh, operate at that they want to? Do they really need to do a container full, or how does that work? So, well, today in the industry, no, you don't have to. So yeah. we, we have again, we have two terms, and mm-hmm. you're gonna love that. Is that what we call FCL and LCL? You okay. don't need to know that as a customer, but that's just something how it works. So you, we currently, we on the platform, we are an agile platform, so we launched early and keep developing it. Mm-hmm. So today we do full container loads only. But in actually early 2019, we're going to look at also having... Uh, Partial. Yes, and that's what they call LCL, so less than a container load. Fantastic term. Yeah. <laughs> um, and that's, that's very relevant because we are attracting more and more smaller customers who don't have the need for actually filling a container. Yeah. So, so how it will work is we have three people who all want to ship a third of a container 
And then we'll say, that's fantastic. We're going to put it into one container. And you're all going to just get the bill for a third of it. Mm-hmm. And we're going to lump it together and we're going to ship. But you still can't ship a half a container. Yeah. So, so that, that's how we work. Yeah. And I'm wondering about that. Is that uh, then you would have to also check where it is, right? So it has to be somewhere in the same place because you're not, you're not driving from one end to, in China to the other no, to, no, to no. get the container full, right? Yeah, it's complicated to actually make that happen, yeah. yeah how does that work right now? Because that it seems really complex to me, but how does it work right now without a system like, like yours? So the industry in, in general is one of the biggest industries in the world and one of the most manual. Uh, yeah, crazy. Yeah, uh, I, I read about it just a little bit before we started recording and it, it, it said somewhere that kind of 80% of all the shipping done in or shipping in general is done by sea and by uh, by by boat, yeah. right? Well, boat is the most economical way of shipping, and it's actually also the, yeah. the, the so even though uh, if you're looking at a vessel uh, that actually goes through a port, you would say that that exhausts a lot of CO two. But if you're looking at how much cargo they can actually carry, it's yeah. actually also the best way of carrying cargo around the world. Yeah, it's so, slow, but yeah, yeah, it's slow. It's, it takes thirty <laughs> days often to go from China into Rotterdam. If you're talking in that analogy, but I think so, so. Right now, it's based on people, and we, even twill, we're not saying we're coming in with a magic wand and saying tomorrow it's all technology based because mm. we need to work with a lot of companies. And what we're trying to do in twill is 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 automated more towards the customer. Mm-hmm. So we focus. Our first focus is to, to say, okay, we got a lot of small and medium-sized companies in the world. And they're not prioritized in international logistics. They're just not. It's much more interesting for bigger companies to have big contracts with bigger companies mm-hmm. because that's when they, actually they can make money because they can start standardized, they can put in these processes and they can just, they know a lot of volume is coming, they can get good deals with, yeah. the, with the truckers and with the ocean carriers. Mm-hmm. So therefore, when a small guy comes in and say, I have five containers, they're going to get a shitty deal and, 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 yeah. and they're also going to get a shitty customer experience. So what we're trying to say is, okay, the first focus we have is making sure that, that small and medium-sized enterprises actually have a place to go where, where, where they can get an easy experience, where they don't have to be experts in the industry. They don't have to know all the acronyms of the industry. They don't know all the details. They should just have a one-stop shop where they can click a button, they can get a price, and we'll, yeah. we'll get it done. But in the beginning, what we're doing right now is we're leveraging an extremely heavy manual uh, back-end in the industry. Yeah, because we need to reach out to the trucker in Shenzhen, and the 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 bet is that the best way to reach out to that trucker right now is via an email mm. or a phone call. So that's what we will do, um, one step at a time, right? To figure out, okay, how do we then get that trucker also into a better setup so we can actually reach out to to him or her in in a more automated manner? But mm. for the first round is the customer experience. Yeah, so that's the the kind of first version or the, yeah. the you've talked about it I saw saw somewhere on the, on your website as well that you kind of are an agile company so yeah. you want to focus on doing the minimal viable product uh, yes. first, right? Yeah, I love that term. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I I had a I had um uh, had Albert Hein, uh, one of the f- previous podcasts, and the, they actually thought, uh, talked about a minimal lovable product, which yeah. was actually even <laughs> to me it was even uh, even even cooler of, yeah, a, that's of a term. That's good, good term. Yeah. I think we we're keeping that in there. Uh, yeah. But it it uh, how does that how did that process go? Because I can imagine that uh, a big company like uh, Maersk has a lot of IT and a lot of yeah. things all over the place. Uh, this is kind of a new venture, isn't it? Yes. Yeah. So, so the the, the key thing is, um, if you want to do something new, um, 
then it's insanity to try to use existing and old processes to do that. Yeah. Um, that that's a requote of of uh, Einstein. It's but, true. Yes. Yeah. So 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 and, and Mass knows that. Uh, so there's no okay. If we need to have a digital solution for smaller customers that really the customers really love, and you know. Uh, love is also something you can make a, a business plan around because if you don't love it, they're not going to use it. I'm sorry, that's just super easy. Yeah. So, so it just it makes sense for Mass to say, all right, guys, if you need to make this work, carve it out, go think new, have an agile structure. So how we built Twill in the beginning was we spent six weeks just, just validating the idea, thinking about, okay, we, we know that we want to make it easier for the customer, but what exactly do we need to make easier? Yeah. So we spent six weeks just traveling the world and talking to, to customers of the industry, really in-depth interviews, trying to understand their processes, what they dislike, what they like. And now first after six weeks, that's when we got the first software developers in. We didn't even have software developers at that point. We didn't have a CTO. Um, and then we started and we said, if you want to stay true agile and build a minimal viable product, which actually test, okay, can we, with software, try to solve the most of the problems here? We said, we're going to put a, give ourselves 20 weeks. Cool. Yeah. Just with a small team, yeah. 20 weeks, and we're going to complete in this, this, this uh, startup mode where you just work night and day for 20 weeks. Mm. And we say, that's when we're going to launch our product. That's when we're going to first customer on the, on the platform. Yeah, it's four uh, months, right? Yeah, and we, we did that. Um, which And 20 weeks to build a something that ships global the global trade and also within a with all respect within a, within a big company that's not used to those kind of timelines yeah that's pretty cool yeah. um and we're super happy to see but as you as you say it was a minimal viable product so it only fit a few customers yeah but it was enough to get started it was enough to get customers on the platform it was enough to say okay what do you then want next and also it shows that the idea works Right. Yes, exactly. And and that's also what we needed to do. So both from, from we needed to show the customers that this is actually something that is interesting. This new development of, of handling this kind of processes in a new digital environment is something that could work. But we also had to show it to Mask. Mm-hmm. Mask is our investor. And yeah. so this is actually this is the future. Uh, this is where we need to go. Um, so so uh, it was a high stake game, it was super fun. Yeah, and I'm I'm what I was wondering about is that um Currently, I can imagine that Maersk has the kind of bigger global companies that do a lot of shipping for, I don't know, for clothes or whatever and and stuff like that. Um, Is it also that they maybe felt that they were uh, missing out on the smaller enterprises? So on the small and medium enterprises, for example. Yeah, I think Maersk was... was, very self-reflecting and saying, yes, we have a great solution for the big guys because we know how to work with them. But we have been trying for years to really to, to deliver this, let's use it again, lovable product for smaller for smaller companies. Yeah. But we've, we're struggling doing both with the same setup. Um, yeah. so, so that's also, so that's one of the premises. Maersk is actually pretty entrepreneurial in terms of saying, let's test different things out. And, and Twill was a test, right? Is this something that works? Could will be our 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 bridge to actually to create something that smaller companies will 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 like, and also, and from a more altruistic point of view, can we actually make a difference for the small guys? Can we make a better market for them? Can we can we remove the barrier of international trade so they can compete with the Nikes mm. of the world on 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 just just by allowing them to participate in global trade? Yeah, and uh, when when we look at the product, so. Uh, what are some kind of the, the innovations that you guys have that maybe other competitors don't have in, in, in the current field? I know from your story that the field is still pretty young mm. in that respect. 
but what, what do you think the the real edge is? Is that the kind of cooperation with a bigger company, or do you think it's also in some kind of technical things that you do? So I think it's, it's both, uh, and I think actually there's a third to it is 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 culture and way of working. Okay. Um, and actually, let me start with with, with culture and the way of working sure. first. Sure. Yeah. Go ahead. Because. Um, in in large corporations, uh, there's often a hierarchical structure. Uh, there's projects and timelines and, mm. and, and, and yearly budgets and yearly targets. Uh, when you take that and you, you drop an agile mindset on the top of that, this is a completely new way of working. Um, not saying that the other one is, is not working. It has worked. I'm saying that the diff- different problems and different solutions mm. need different approaches. And if you want to create something for... The, 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 Actually, startups as well, right? If you want to create a solution for them uh, and you haven't been able to do before, um, then then you have to have a new approach. Um, and the agile way of working, I'm completely in love with. I think this this really gives us edge. This gives us every Friday when we close our computers and go home. We've done something new. We create something. We always write a... Write a we, we collect all our thoughts into mm. one document every Friday. And it's so refreshing to see all the stuff that has been done during the week and also stuff we didn't expect when it's out of the week um yeah so and also then taking the customer in this in center and the heart of everything you do so just involve them all the time and also involve them but with, with, with solutions and thoughts you in a corporate environment probably wouldn't share with the customer because it's not done you don't have a f- so you're actually co-creating with the customer that's yeah how do you do that um, so in the beginning, we uh, we interviewed, we talked, visited a lot. Um, now we visit less, and now it's more. Uh, so now we have key customers we work with um, that we get input from. So we send them surveys, we have phone calls. Uh, we also, as anyone else, use analytics to see the behavior on the platform to see if they are behaving as we expected, uh, seeing if they're struggling. Um, but that's more on the on the on the simple side. Mm. Um but we 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 are actually now ramping up in terms of how do we get uh, even more customers involved in a day-to-day environment uh, having them visit the co- the office um yeah. to to co-create with us. Um that's that's our next step. Yeah and uh, uh, what's interesting to me is that uh, I I've tried it myself as well with a lot of co- customers that we have. Uh and although in some cases they do give uh, good feedback and also give you good ideas to to work with but uh what i've seen also is that uh, most of the time they cannot actually tell us what the what they want to have no, right no uh how do you work around that so so first of all you you don't come with and ask them what they want yeah um because that's not gonna work um then you go back to henry ford quote in terms of uh, <laughs> then you would yeah, have yeah. got faster horses instead of a car yeah um so you try to you try to derive the needs um so so in this specific example the need would be to go faster to have a more reliable solution and then the horse is just not going to do it anymore mm. so so asking customers is not asking for solutions it's asking for uh, their needs uh, and perhaps not even asking for them perhaps just observing them as well um because they, maybe they don't know how to articulate it they don't even see it themselves yeah. um so it's it's observing and seeing what what is the need um, yeah they m- maybe even mention it in some of the interviews that you do but uh not, they don't bring it up as a problem no right? exactly yeah. so, so the simple the simplest way of getting to need is ask why mm yeah. So why do you want that? So customers ask us for we we need we need a reporting uh, functionality. Okay, why? Why do you need that? Okay, it's because we need to share information with the finance department. Okay, why do you do that? Well, it's because they needed uh, to make reports at the end of the month where they collide information. 
Okay, then we have to, then it's our product team that has to take that information back. Okay, okay, that's actually the need. They're asking for a report, but it's, that's just because they're used to a report. Mm-hmm. What, can we de- what can we develop that could be smarter, that could actually serve the need in a better way? And that's, that's then our product team that needs to drive that innovation. Yeah, that's, that, that, I think that works. I mean, I mean in most startups, uh, they are trying to do this, yeah. uh, this, this way. Um, but going back to the the, the innovation part, yeah. so um, what what do you th- as as we said, it's kind of threefold. Yeah, so it's a uh, culture, as we already covered. Yeah, and uh, you have the the yeah the cooperation with uh, Maersk, of course. Mm-hmm. Uh, what what does that help in terms of innovation? So, it, um, <laughs> I wouldn't say it helps us in terms of innovation, but it helps us in terms of having an extremely solid business model. Yeah. Um, as I said earlier in this podcast here, is that it's not enough just having a fantastic user experience and have automated processes. You need to actually make sure the container or the cargo moves. Mm. And it moves, it, 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 clears, it clears all the customs, it's legally accepted, it has all the documentation to it, it's actually put on the right ship. Um, that, if that is critical. Mm. And there we have well, probably the world's strongest backbone. Yeah, we have we have mask that yeah. that gives us a extremely competitive advantage in the market and enables us to to give a really a stronger product to the customer. So I think the innovation is in in that structure is about figuring out how do you leverage that mm. to give the customer the best possible solution. And from technology point of view, this this <laughs> if you're not in this industry, this sounds this sounds kind of basic. Yeah. But, but our industry is old. Our industry is legacy-based. Our industry is manual. So some of the things that we are doing is um, allowing an instant quote, for example. So allowing you, when you need to go from I don't know, mainland China or Thailand or whatever, into, let's say, you want to go into Denmark. You want to go into middle, uh, Chicago. Yeah. Okay, that's very interesting for you to get information. Go onto the Twitter website, and you can get in there, and you can get an instant quote. Because we, we have a lot of vendors in the back end, so we're taking all that information and colliding it into a, a bigger database and to trying to structure it. Okay, what is, the, what is then important for you? And we're putting it all together and trying to give you a, a good quote where we collect mm. maybe it's five, six, seven vendors we need to actually uh, get into the picture. Yeah, and combine. Yeah, to, to, to make that service for you. That's pretty innovative uh, to be able to do instant quotations in industry here. Yeah, in this industry. <laughs> That's what I'm saying, right? It, yeah. It, You're used it, to that from a lot of other industries. Yeah, yeah. Because if I want to, I don't know, uh, if I want to ship just a package from uh, A to B mm-hmm. uh, at the moment, this is a small package, of course. Uh, it, I can know I go to the post office, I just... Yeah, you get a price. You, yeah, you this, wait, this you the get price. a price, exactly. Yeah. But we're just not there. Uh, but first of all, you go to the post office. That's interesting. Yeah. So you should be able to do it from home, right? Yeah, of course. Uh, there's there's a thing that's missing as well. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. No, but but so so um, uh, this industry is ripe uh, for digitalization. There's so many processes uh, that we have accepted for way too long uh, mm. in the industry uh, that that now needs to change. Uh, one thing is the customer uh, experience, uh, which I think is pivotal because when you can actually show the industry customers are signing up to this new way of working, it's much easier to actually articulate why you need to change stuff in the back end. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so so um, to really, really innovate, really innovate and really disrupt this industry here, you need to go all the way through. You need to go, perhaps it's an overused example, but what Uber, why they, why they actually were successful in my world, look at what they've done. They have not 
they have a, this industry, taxiing. It's mm. existed actually for centuries. It's just mm. that always haven't haven't been a car always. It's been something else. Yeah. Um, they have changed it. They've done absolutely nothing to the physical service. Absolutely nothing. It's still a car. It's not even flying or autonomous. You're still stuck in traffic. Uh, <laughs> yeah. You still have uncomfortable conversations with the driver. Yeah. Um, they haven't changed it. But they changed the way that demand you as a customer and supply the driver interact with the physical service. And just by doing that, they change the whole industry. Mm. So that's, that's what we're kind of inspired by, that way of thinking. So how, because we're not going to change shipping. We're not no, going to... You don't need to. No. When, and the containers, sorry, is in 10 years, I'm probably going to be a smarter container. Right now, it's pretty dumb. It's just yeah. a steel box. Yeah. Um, probably going to be a smarter container, but it's, it's, yeah. it still has to... It, it won't beam around the world, right? You still have to put it on a ship and yeah. sail it. Yeah, it's it's funny you mentioned that because that's that's something that now popped into my head is that uh, that's also a problem I think with uh, containers at the moment is that they're not smart. Right? No, they're very dumb. Yeah, yeah. It's, it, you don't have a sense of where they are at at any given time. Yeah, I can imagine that even containers get lost just because it's, I don't know if that happens. But precisely, <laughs> yeah, containers it, do get lost. Yeah, I can I can imagine that that happens just random container somewhere and nobody knows what where, where it came from where it's going or whatever yeah so uh what, what do you see that is going to it, it has to change i yeah. think it has to change uh but where do you see that going so if you're looking at the, the different types of containers right now the most the smartest container out there in use and actually also in scale use is refrigerated containers okay because there you need a lot of information because if you're transporting uh, perishables, then you need to know was the temperature steady or the transportation because people can actually get sick from, from eating the food. Um, so uh, refrigerated containers, they're also powered. So they're plugged in and powered. Yep. Um, they're really smart. And you can, you can monitor them all the way through. You can see if they're opened. You can see if temperature drops. You can see where they are in the world. You can see everything about it. But the thing is, it's because they're powered. Um, and they're more expensive. Uh, of course. So you need to take some of that thinking and put onto the, to the, more, the dumb container. A lot of companies are actually doing it right now. Um, and, and it's just about battery time and cost. That's the two key, key things. Because there's a lot of containers around the world. You need to retrofit all of them. Yep. And how they want to do that is either throw a token in, in the container, a physical token, or you can attach something to the container. Yeah, yeah I was thinking about that. Um, but then you, you need a network for also those tokens if you want to take them out, send them back. Um, and if you attach them to the container, you need to make sure that who, who, you need to make sure it's, it's economically viable. Mm-hmm. So you don't pay $1,000 for it. It doesn't make sense. Yep. You need to make sure it doesn't run out of battery in, in, a, in a year from now. You need to make sure that when they're stacked on top of each other in port, that you still have signal from the one that is on the, yep. on the button. And it's hard because it's uh, all metal and stuff like that, yeah. Yeah, but how they're doing it was actually pretty smart is they're now, so the, the, the container in the middle of the stack will then communicate to the next container. Ah, so, that so it's was, kind of a chain. Yeah, so they're trying to develop a chain. So that's a lot of cool companies within this. this uh, yeah, because that, that's uh, what springs to mind is kind of the whole, uh, the Internet of Things thing, right? Yeah. Uh, that, that springs to mind because that's, that's pretty much where, what it's for, right? Yeah, exactly. For, for these kind of applications to do, to do these kind of things, to uh, send small bits of information because you don't need a lot of information on that uh, to whatever, but uh, to get it more centralized. Yeah, yeah I, I think uh, that, that's, that's an interesting po- point there because um, what I also saw is that you, you guys you have kind of all kinds of locations all over the world, right? Yeah. So you have uh, 
I saw some UK, US, China, kind of the the bigger uh, shipping countries. I think. Yeah. Uh, how do you really have people in those locations that work for Twill, or uh, yes. how does that work? Yeah, we do. So basically, we have uh, Twillers, uh, which we call ourselves in in more than I think we twenty one countries by now. Okay. Um, and some countries are we we of course more present than others. Of but course. but when we say is we go live in a country, we we use the Merck and Damco backbone to allow us to go live in a country. Mm-hmm. And that makes us uh, quicker. So actually, we launch a new country every two three weeks by now. Okay. Um, that means that we go to the country, we 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 train uh, people in our processes because uh, we also want to make sure. Again, it's not just about uh, a digital platform. It's also about so when there is a port strike or when there's bad weather. Uh, who then takes care of it when the truck in uh, in Thailand has a flat tire? Who who does who takes care of that? Who makes sure that we can deliver the customer experience that we promise on the platform yeah. by actually ensuring that we do it in the in the back end? You still They're, need people for that. Yes, yeah? and we need we need good people. We need trained people, um, and we need people who understand the tool processes. So in Mask, there's uh, eighty thousand people first of all. Um, so and there's also a lot of extremely talented people. Um, so what we do is we ask. Come to we go to Indonesia and we ask Merce Damco. So we have these new jobs to be a Twitter to make sure we service our customers the right way. And then we just ask who wants to go. And actually, we're getting quite good good traction on that. We're also hiring externally, um, but people that to, are not in the company. Yeah, exactly. But yeah. we, there's good talent. And then we 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 take that person and we take that person into Twill. Um, okay. So at least in every country we are, we at least have two people, and most most countries more. Uh, we're more than 100 people in Twill now. Okay, and. Uh, that that's interesting to me because then essentially you're already a remote company, right? Because yeah. you have all kinds of things in place. So how do you work across those kind of time zone things that you have right yeah. now? So time zones is always difficult, yeah. uh, and and it became more difficult when we added the US uh, because with just just Europe and, Ch- and Asia. Well, you have a couple of good hours in the morning where you overlap. Uh, Slack is basically our savior. <laughs> so uh, chat up. <laughs> yeah. It works like, like like a charm because everybody got it on their phone. Um, so you don't have to necessarily only have commu- communication within business hours. Um, but Slack is, is, is very important. On top of that, we have these from, from Lean, uh, you have these huddle structures, mm-hmm. huddle cascades. Um, so we have huddles in the morning where Asia joins in and then we have huddles in the afternoon where, where the US joins in and we cascade the information from huddle to huddle and you keep it going like a, 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 this ecosystem okay, of information. So, so you have multiple times of the day that you actually have contact with your kind of other locations that you have all over yeah, exactly. the world, right? Exactly. So are in in those locations, do you also have people that work on the product itself or is the product team mainly focused in the Netherlands? The product team is split over two locations right now, but uh, it's very close to each other. It's Gdansk in Poland. Okay. Uh, and it's uh, in The Hague. And I think we have uh, 30, 40% of our developers in, in Gdansk and uh, the rest in The Hague. And, and we actually also travel a lot. Mm. So uh, perhaps we shouldn't, but it, it just works. So we have we have uh, our development teams co-locating at least four times during the year. Okay. Um, to make to make sure uh, we we be more efficient in the way we work. Yeah. And uh, what what kind of per- period are you t- talking about when they do do that? Uh, so is that 
for a week or yeah, a week or two something like that um and then they have so they also have daily huddles so if you walk into our pantry when we walk into twill then it's often we have the big screen and you have people in video all the time um, having their daily stand-ups and having their refinement meetings um, um to assess how to build all the stuff that we want them to build that's crazy yeah yeah because we, we do that as well i mm. mean we we do have some developers that are are not on location and um i kind of I go like every half a year uh, yeah. and it makes sense to, to us because we plan uh, kind of the things that we want to build for the next half year uh, and uh, th- that works but uh, I'm I'm curious how that would work out if you do it m- more frequently than we're doing it right now. You have to do it anyway mm-hmm. um, that's, that's, that's for sure because just video conferencing doesn't work yeah. right? I, I mean I think you uh, you've noticed that maybe as well is that uh, if you just do the video conferencing, it, uh, you don't have the kind of connection that you want to have, even though they are working for you, right? It's it's part of the company. It's not mm-hmm. some kind of entity that's floating around, right? Um, what what's the reasoning behind the kind of four times a year? Uh, well, it's, a, it's, a, it's a actually a structure that the tech and the product team set up themselves. Okay. It's, not, it's not defined by me. I don't know how often they need to work together. Yeah. Also, so so the, the interesting thing is, is it's not a leadership thing. So it's not the CTO from, from Twill who travels to uh, Gdansk and tells this team what to do. Yeah. We, we work in, 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 in Scrum teams. We have three teams and those teams are split. So you don't have, it's not like one team is based in, in Gdansk and one yep. is, they're merged. So, okay, so you cool. often have teams that are three people in Gransk and three people in The Hague. Um, How big are those teams? Um, I think they're between six and eight people, five yeah. and eight people, something like that. Kind of the max that you can go for. Yes, yeah, uh, so for we also be, be establishing a new one here in January. So we have a, a fourth. Um, and, and we want to go. We're accelerating quite quite a bit on that. So mm. we're getting more teams in. But the key thing is it's, it's not location-based. So therefore, it's, it's not... The CTO traveling is actually the teams. Yeah, yeah, I get it. Uh, yeah. And that's that's the key thing here because so you say it's also social interaction, it's knowing each other, it's 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 everything, right? Yeah, you work on a, with with each other on a daily basis. You just don't have the thing that you have that is everything is in one office. Right? Yeah, exactly. And it doesn't matter. I mean, it doesn't really matter that they are not there. Uh, in in most cases, you can just do everything over video conferencing anyway but in some cases it's just handy because you can just draw something on a board right yeah. and uh, say okay this is what i'm thinking about and uh, and stuff like that and uh, what i was wondering as well is that uh, does every team like work on a separate part of the application or is just uh, they're all working at one thing and they maybe pick or choose what they what they're working on more the, more the latter yeah. um so so the three teams so actually we've been discussing this quite extensively as it's a little bit of religion uh, which one works the best because uh, you can say you're, you're developing expertise uh, and focus if you're saying that you work on one piece of the application yeah. But the thing is also, if you need all your manpower behind a single piece for for two months, for example, then you only have 20% of your people actually knowing how to do so. Um, and by saying that we have three teams and they're, they're set to three different areas, then you by definition prioritizing those three equally. Mm-hmm. Uh, somewhat, you have some flexibility. And we're not sure that's the right way of working. Um, yeah, you're still figuring out. I mean, yeah. uh, if you 
started in 2016, if I remember correctly, right? Yes, but the way we started, so we went to, uh, we worked very much as a secret project within Maersk. <laughs> we went with, <laughs> that's, that's weird to yeah, say. Yeah, it was weird. We did basically just disappeared. And it's, we were not only, a, it's not that hard to be secret in, in such a large corporation. No, it's not. Right? No, it's not, definitely. <laughs> but basically, I, I was the, the, the first employee, right? Of, yeah. Of, of, we didn't have a name for it. We didn't have anything. We just, I, I was thinking about how to do it and I collected a small team, only three people and me. And we went to Berlin and spent seven months with an incubator there, um, partnering up and how to actually build it. Mm-hmm. Um, and then when we came back, so that was uh, in March 2017, um, all the developers we have in the team right now, they were not with us um, because a lot of them were freelancers or, cons- or people that came in on a consultancy basis. Mm-hmm. And then we had to r- kind of reinvent ourselves uh, to figure out what kind of what kind of dna pool do we want what kind of talents do we want and then have to start hiring out of the hague but also out of gdansk so the developers we have in the team a lot of them joined after that mm. so we even younger you would say in terms of ways of working okay. still, still figuring out yeah and uh going back to that location part because that, that that's something that popped into my head as well is that uh how do you kind of pick which countries you uh you go to and create an office so is that based on what the user base is there or is it more strategically because of the shipping and where everything is going so basically you have uh, three decision parameters one is is uh, market research so it's not that difficult because it's a big industry to figure out mm. where, where is cargo actually shipped from and to what kind of customers are doing it so that's just looking at market research second is often closely correlated look where does MERS have volume um, because uh, a lot of most customers are interested in joining Swill. Uh, and thirdly is network, which is very interesting. So if you have 20 countries and you have a network of, I like, say, that, that summarized to, let's call it an absolute number of 200, then which 20, the 21st country you want to add to it, which one maximizes the network? So you need to pick a country that each of these countries, the 20 countries trade with. That may not be the biggest, the next big, biggest trading company, uh, sorry, trading uh, country, but it's just, which which country will add to the network the most? Yeah, that makes because, sense. Yeah, I get it because you want to uh, create, you want to get rid of some of the checkpoints, right? I think it it, it maybe is easier to ship through a different country that than uh, than what you're doing right now. Is that is that also a thing or? No, we say so. If you have, uh, if you have, let's say you have three countries on the platform. You have China, you have UK, and you have Spain. Mm-hmm. Then how to pick the fourth country? Is looking, uh, does the fourth country have existing trade with China, UK, and Spain? Because it may be uh, that we want to pick Mexico as the fourth country, which is a big trading country. But if they don't have a lot of business with China, UK, and Spain, then from a tool perspective, it's less relevant because then we have another setup. Mm. So so that's kind of how we see the network. We have to make sure that that the countries we add are relevant to the existing countries. Mm. Okay. Yeah, I was uh, about the the because we touched on the subject a little bit, and I want to go into that a little bit deeper. So, uh, how do you see technology changing uh, things like logistics in the future? So we've talked about this thing, uh, so uh, actually tracking and uh, knowing where your shipment is. But uh, what are some of the other things that you see that are still uh, not in the Stone Ages, but they're they're still <laughs> in the, yeah, yeah. It, it, it's it's still in the, in the not so digital manner. Let's put it like that. 
it was lots, basically everything in this industry is not digital yet. Um, but there's a lot of things going on. There's a lot of grassroots movements uh, and also bigger movements to really digitize this industry. So you will see a lot happening. I think the headline is it will become much, much easier to become a customer in this yeah. industry. And, and that's, that's the great thing. Um, um, there's no one company who's trying to solve the whole problem. There's, you can't. No, I no, think. exactly. Which is also the good way to do it. So you have companies specializing in different parts of the problem to make it more easy for a customer to interact within one here. I think that there's a couple of things. Um, so um, there's a couple of companies doing it. There's one actually within Maersk, a joint venture between Maersk and IBM, uh, which is using uh, trying to create a new infrastructure. So how do we work together um, based on blockchain technology? Uh, okay. How do we verify the documents that we actually uh, you have to use in shipping because um, a lot of, lot of uh, let's say custom rules you have to have a physical document you need to stamp because that's the only way that document is actually validated um, how do you how do you start taking that validation process which is one of the biggest things in, in an industry in terms of documentation flows how do you try to, to put that in a trusted network yeah, and they're, they're they're trying to build a, a very extensive blockchain solution that will have a lot of partners on a platform, and they're doing quite well. There's a company called TradeLens. Um, so I see, I see a little bit like Amadeus within passenger flights. Mm. I see more of these uh, aggregated platforms in the back end to really figure out how to standardize the processes using new technology such as blockchain. Yeah, I see. There's a huge uh, business case for AI. In this industry, okay. both in terms of um, uh, actually processing, so in terms of automation, uh, taking some of the more rudimentary human steps out of it, because we make mistakes, we humans, um, we should spend our brains doing more creative work, um, uh, actually figuring out what to do when a support strike or something like that. Mm. Um, but also AI in terms of prediction. So the, the industry is becoming more and more volatile, because you have these days coming up, uh, Black Friday, Singles Day. It just it makes so many smaller bleeps, peaks on the logistics. Uh, so Matt, imagine you don't have to trade anything, and all of a sudden, single day, you have to trade everything. Yeah, that's yeah. that's difficult to yeah. actually do that in physical. You have to have a ship, you have to have a plane. Uh, you have it's to get- like it's like with a website, for example. So for, so say you have a website, mm-hmm. and some article or something goes viral. And then you get like a lot of traffic that yeah. you cannot handle, right? Yeah. That, that's pretty much the same, right? But here you have physical con- constraints in terms yeah, of a yeah. ship, actually. That's even even worse. Yes. Yeah. So there's there's a huge business case for smoothening some of this, uh, these peaks um, and trying to predict. So if you can if you can add more prediction power into the industry, you can move actually mountains. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah, because I can imagine that... Um, Somewhere down the line, you have to have some kind of standardization, right? Yes. Uh, because uh, if every shipping company in the world would use a different system, then it would be, yeah, you, you, you couldn't do it, right? But, it, but that's basically how we do it today. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so, yeah, because so, you have all these kind of systems that maybe even do not work together. Definitely not. Yeah. Uh, trying to work together, but it really isn't made for that, right? Mm-hmm. Uh so, so what do you see there? So do you see a, a kind of a platform coming up that would do kind of all the shipping? And uh, do you think that will be one kind of standard or uh, will no, it remain like this? I think there will become a few standards. Mm-hmm. I think, so what, what uh, Merck and IBM is doing could become one of those standards, but there are other companies doing similar stuff. Mm. Um, but yes, there's, there's, a, there's a high need of doing so. And I think we, we are, technology has advanced that much that now is actually feasible. 
to do so. It's been very, very difficult to do so in the past. Yeah. Um, but it's simple technology, like you could say blockchain has limitations in terms of uh, number of interactions. I think that that's, that's the biggest limitation to it. Yeah, but it will true. also keep developing. Um, so uh, technology is, is, is ahead of the industry and now technology is at a place where you actually can develop these standardized platforms um, that can kind of dictate this, that how we interact with each other yeah. instead of having it this 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 also segregated as we are today. Yeah, because you don't have the uh, previously you didn't have the computing power to do this, right? Oh, definitely. Uh, not. And now it's it, it's become more and more apparent that you can do it and you could build this kind of platform that could be used all over the world, right? Well, it was like it's with user optic. So one thing is you have that platform. Another thing is actually convince very 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 different e companies, very different uh, governments even. Because a lot of them is also just based on local legislation, yeah. Um, to be become a part of this network here, one of the, one of the most basic things in shipping, actually something everybody has agreed on now, is something called incoterms. That the terms of trade. So it's it's rules. Okay. So if we trade, then then we use that framework and how to trade. And everybody uses that. Everybody uses that. So that's a fantastic uh, developed many many years ago, but it gives a great foundation for how to work. Mm. So if you can do that in terms of of that international legal part, it was needed. We can also do it from a technology point of view. Mm. And it's coming. It's definitely coming. And cool. I also see the smart containers are definitely come as well. Um, definitely. It's going to be... Yeah, cool I mean, thing. you need to do it because um, it cannot be that you have kind of a, a shipping track or however you want to call it. So a shipment mm. that, that you know where your shipments are. Uh, and that you still need people to actually find out where those things are. No, exactly. I that's, agree. That's that's the thing. But the thing is, it's not enough just to know where it is. Um, yeah. Because if I know that my container is at the port of uh, Singapore, I still don't know has it been custom cleared. Mm. So I don't know if it's actually if it's ready to take the next step. Yeah. Um, and if it hasn't been custom cleared, it's going to stay in that port. Um, and that's going to be a problem. And that's, yeah, that's, you, you somehow need to update that status, yes, right? Yes, I need to know more information about it, even though the container is not moving. Yeah, so for example, a container is there and it goes through a scanner or whatever, but it just makes it clear that the status is, okay, it's cleared now. Yeah, so now, it's, now it can move to the next step and I'm happy because then I know, oof, then it can go on the vessel and then um, yeah, I can receive my goods as I want to. Yeah, because the, as, as we said, then the standardization comes in because um, you cannot do that if you have like four or five different uh, systems in place, right? No, it's not, it's not, even, it's not even four or five. It's, Hundreds, yeah, thousands, yeah. yeah, because every kind of country has their own thing and uh, they yeah. do their own thing, and yeah, that's crazy. So I would like to wrap up, but yeah. I have one more question for you, and it's always the question I ask at the end. <laughs> All right, uh, what are you most proud of? Um, so, so multiple things. Um, so, so I have to prioritize here in the question. Uh, it's it's pri- So I'm proud. You can we- uh, you can mention everything. <laughs> we, started, we started with with a couple of people with an idea um, about can this actually be done? And it was just an idea. We didn't even know exactly what is the idea. It's just but we think we can do this better. And today we are a pivotal part of the overall Merck strategy in terms of uh, a whole customer segment. So a really big part of Merck. So just internally, we, we really created something uh, where we have a whole new uh, identity even. We actually created something uh, with, with really potential to be part of Merck in, in the future. Perhaps even 
be part of uh, defining Mersk in the future. Yeah. That, that is pretty crazy, but that's, that's very internally uh, based. From a customer perspective, of course, it's, there's nothing better than seeing a customer being happy with it. There's nothing better than getting a 10 in an NPS score. You know, you go home, you're happy. Um, how, do you, how do you research that? Um, so different, right now, we ask when the shipment is done. We, we, we have simple pop-ups and asking yeah. them for information about it. Um, okay. um, so that's, of course, something we're proud of. We're also, I'm also proud that we delivered this within 20 weeks, the first, the, the minimal lovable product, uh, as, as that was called. We're keeping it in there. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I think it's cool. I think I'll, I'll, I'll take it into my yeah, vocabulary yeah. as well. Um, and then I'm proud of... Um, we 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 had we said we, we had an agreement say we, we need to show that we can get 100 customers on the platform within a certain time frame and we got 100 customers on it is in a b2b in a b2c world that doesn't sound a lot in a b2b world it actually it's is pretty a lot yeah so when we got customer number 100 we had a huge 100 party and and this kind <laughs> of also saying okay now we, we reached the first milestone this is actually something we can do and everybody was psyched about it everybody psyched about the purpose actually taking a hassle out of logistics for small players, give them uh, leveling the, 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 the playing fields for the, for the small guys. That's also super cool. And then I think from, from a personal point of view, so right now we are 130 people in total. Um, so one of the best things is walking through the office and seeing people just, just excelling and solving some of the problems, innovating, uh, delivering new stuff that I was part of in the beginning. Now, I'm not part of that anymore, which is, which is how it should be. But it's a cool feeling to go, th- go through the office and see what they're working on and see how they're handling this and see that they can do it better than, I, than, than what I was doing in the beginning because you were scrambling, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. So now you actually have really good people that really know this shit and really knows how to do this every day coming into Twill and with a joint purpose of actually making life a little bit simpler for, for the customer. And you can really see it. You can feel it that, that they're burning for this purpose that is i think the highest level of, of proud i can get to cool i think that's a good way to to end it all right um how can people find you twill.net uh if you go into twill.net you can you can sign up as a, as a user um and you can try it out if you want to um you can also if you make a booking you're still not conf- you, you can actually make a booking and if you don't want to do it at the end of the day it's all right we just say no so you just go into twill.net and sign up or contact us via the information on twill.net. Yeah, and twill is a T-W-I-L-L, right? Yeah, it is. It's like the, the fabric. <laughs> yeah, cool. Yeah. Um, for the listeners, of course, uh, you can find uh, the Bits vs. Byte podcast on bitsvsbytes.com. We're also on all major uh, podcasting platforms, so uh, iTunes, uh uh, we're on SoundCloud, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, all all over the place. And uh, also follow us on social media. It's all bits vs bytes on Instagram, Twitter, and LinkedIn. And uh, I would like to thank you for listening. And until next time.